You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 25 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line. It is our social media manager, Mr. James Healy. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hi, Ian. I'm very well. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm, I've started phase two of my Joe Wicks diet and exercise regime. Um, last week really did go out the window, I have to say. What does that involve? Well, it involves weights, believe it or not. Now, I mean, don't, you know, I'm no Eddie Hall. Let's 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 get that right, you know, to start off with. But um, it, you basically have to use sort of dumbbells. So you're doing a lot of the same exercises, but you're doing it with weights. Well, um I was I was I was struggling again to sort of to get into it, but a very strange thing sort of happened to me on Sunday afternoon. That having done sort of one of these reps, all of a sudden something just sort of snapped in my brain, and I and I I embraced it with full vim and vigor, and it was quite I you know I found it quite uplifting really. I really sort of you know I really decided to smash the old. Um, the, you know the exercises, um, albeit only for ten minutes of a. Th- I mean, I was going through the motions. I'll have to admit up until that point, but I just something just went inside me. Now, my wife found the whole thing incredibly amusing, so much so that she actually she couldn't really get on with the exercises herself because I was sort of going, um, you know, I was going sort of nineteen to the dozen. But um, no, it was it was good. I mean, I'm you know I'm enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of positive mental sort of well-being out of doing the exercise which is actually i think what what mr wicks is all about so uh, whether my body shape changes or not i i, I don't really care I, i'm i'm feeling all the better for it as long as you're enjoying it that's the main thing and are you still keeping up with your your diet yeah well although i just reached across my desk some jelly sweets a well-known branded <laughs> jelly sweets packet there which I've been munching on, but they have lasted me two or three days. Normally, I would have had them in one sitting. Oh, so it's yeah. just something to uh, to stack on. It's not the greatest of snacks, but we're we're getting back on it. So, and I just signed up for a personal training as well. So I'm going to be out doing a bit of exercise as well, which is a first for me. And will you be? I mean, will you be keeping the beard? Because I mean, I think you know, like you're sort of like um, Al Gore after he lost the presidential election. You know, you're in a moment of contemplative thought, and you've grown this incredibly wonderful Tudor beard that makes you look like Henry VIII. I mean, will you be keeping it for this? For you know, for your your physical exercise regimen? Yeah, I think I, uh, I said when we got locked down that I'd grow my beard, and grow, grow it. You have. And grow, I have, yeah, it's all different colours. I've got a bit of orange in it, a bit of brown, and a couple of greys coming through as well. So I'll keep growing it, and then uh, we'll see how long it actually gets. I'm starting to look a bit like Swampy, I think, though. Well, on next week's podcast, you might look like Gandalf anyway. <laughs> um, that would be interesting. Right then. Uh, on this week's edition of the Toolstation Western League podcast, we speak to the manager of Bristol Telephones, Jack Richardson, and we also have a chat with the godfather of Western League social media. It is the excellent Roland Millward. Um, but we'll kick off with that interview um, with Jack Richardson, and uh, it brings us back to our sort of core content, really, for the uh, the Toolstation Western League podcast. Of course, back in the days when we had football to talk about, we used to talk to a manager from the First Division and a manager from our Premier Division, and one of the people I've really enjoyed speaking 
speaking to over recent seasons is Jack Richardson. Bristol Telephones haven't always had um, the best of form in the Western League, but they have started to find their feet. And um, one of the things that Jim and I saw a couple of weeks ago on social media was the incredible work that had gone on at their ground, in particular their changing rooms. And that's very much where I started my conversation with Jack, that wonderful wonderful um, coverage they got on social media and um, it really looks like the club has made the most of lockdown and they've done a fantastic job to be fair i can't really take much credit i'm not very handy so i haven't really been involved but the lads that have been out there have been done an amazing job like you said um the pictures don't really do it justice we see it in person as well it it does look unbelievable um and you know fair play to to all the all the people that have helped out from the kind of um, fundraising to, to get the money um, just in, in-house really a few little things and then for the the new members of the committee that we've got that kind of drove it um, bought all of the the um, materials and then yeah took them back three weekends to do um, but yeah it looks unbelievable and it just makes that kind of first game back even even better in those new change rooms of our new kit and you know we can't get can't, can't wait to get back in and use them really so for those people who haven't seen the pictures on social media, I mean, you mentioned there that the work's gone into improving the changing rooms. Can you, can you just give the listeners a sort of a feel for, 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 what's, been, for what's been done? Um, well, I mean, anyone who's been out there in the last few years is quite, um, quite run down the way, needed a lick of paint, um, but the boys, they gave it a lick of paint. They've created like little booths um, throughout the changing room, 16 of them or 17, I think. So there's one for every member of the squad. Um, with a little peg as well to, to hang stuff on. Um, and then they put these lights in and around, um, which get, one of them was re- uh, really impressive. It goes with the like beat of the music. Um, so they're really looking forward to getting in there, celebrating three points and putting the lights on and the music on and seeing all that. So, no, it does look really good, really modern. Um, and, yeah, fantastic job all around. What you've done with the with the home team dressing room is without question Premier League, and I'm not talking about the Tool Station Western League division. I'm talking about you know the uh, the one we see on telly. But I've got to ask the question for all of those teams who are now going to be uh, coming to your place um, to play and expecting uh, the Rolls Royce of changing rooms. Have you done anything with the away changing rooms? No, we haven't just yet. I think um, we split. We we had a committee meeting last week actually, and that was something we did speak about. But yeah, no, we haven't we haven't quite got there yet. Um, with that one, I think uh, they used to do that back in the day, didn't they? Give uh, give the away team the, uh, the not the worst change room, but um, do a few things for superstitions and all that. But no, it's our away change room isn't even that bad. I, I did see a couple of comments, but no, I think in the near future, something that we're looking to uh, looking to do. Well, James Healy was telling me that um, his old cricket club. What they did was they painted the away dressing room black. So um, anyway, maybe, yeah, that... maybe I'll put that to the committee to, uh, <laughs> for the new ones. Then I, I feel terrible now having suggested that, and the evidence is now for everybody to listen to. But anyway, never mind. Um, let's let's have a chat then about how how you're sort of you and the people at the club are coping. Um, obviously, we haven't had um, football for for quite some time, and. Um, I mean, you played nine games this season, the last of which was at the start of November. So, I mean, how are you feeling at the moment? Uh, it's quite it's quite weird. Um, it, like you say, last game to start in November, it feels so long ago now. Um, and I kind of remember the game that, I think on the Saturday, it got announced we were having the month's lockdown. And, on, and we went into lockdown on the Wednesday, so we played on the Tuesday, and we were like, oh, well, it's only be a month. Um, we'll keep fit. And then, 
yeah, we'll come back and we'll play. And here we are. I mean, start of, well, nearly the end of February now, still haven't kicked the ball since. Um, I think for us especially, like I think the club really started to kick on in the last few months. And you mentioned about the change rooms, results started to turn. We've got a, some new members on the committee and just got a new lease of life in the club, really. Um, so I think we're slightly gutted we haven't been able to carry on with that. But at the same time, we're just excited to, to get back whenever we can. Um, and in terms of the players, I think everyone's in the same boat, really, aren't they? A bit bored. Um, this is all a bit tedious and they just want to get back to, to it whenever we can or back to some normality whenever we can. Um, but yeah, hopefully it won't be too long. But I think the main thing is I spoke to one of the lads yesterday, actually, and, and we both kind of said, well, we can't complain too much. You know, we, you know, we're all safe and well. We haven't lost any loved ones, touch wood, during the pandemic. So we, you know, we've come out of it well um, or as well, as well as you can, really. So no, we're, we're, yeah, just buzzing to be back whenever we can, really. Because one of the themes of the conversations I've been having with sort of people in the game, not just the managers, but, you know, people across uh, the clubs, um, they've been talking about, you know, players having fitness programs and players doing running to keep fit and all the rest of it. I mean, the longer this goes on, as you said, we're now really, you know, we're nearly into March. Um, I mean, how hard is it to keep players motivated? Potentially, they might not even be playing again until July, August time. Well, that's the that's the thing. You're in the unknown a little bit, and I think for us, when we went into the lockdown at the start of November, we did. Um, we all got them on Strava and did a little bit of a few runs every week. I, think I ended up offering like whoever ran the most gets a bottle of champagne, something like that. We did a few little things like that, but we just had, we haven't since Christmas, just because, like you say, you really don't know when when you're going back. Um, and I've still got Strava, and I was actually going on it yesterday. It was quite good to see, like, eight or nine of the lads are still still doing it, which is really good, um, and that they're still going for runs every day, and they've obviously got the appetite for it. But, yeah, it's just, like you say, it's just been so long, and it's, it's hard to give them something to do when there's no end date at the end of it. And it's hard to, I think, this is what I probably learned in the last year, it's hard to plan anything, um, and you don't plan too far ahead because you, know, you never know what's coming. Um, so I think... Yeah, we're, when, if and when it's safe to do so, I think we're going to, obviously, hopefully we'll be given a bit of notice and we can put something in place to ensure everyone's ready to ready to go. Uh, when I have a look at the, the league table, you're, you're 14th at the moment um, and you had four wins from your, your nine games. But, I mean, you, you came up against some pretty good sides in that, in, that, in that period. So, I mean, how happy were you with the way you started this season? I think if you had offered me the start we had this time last year, I would have bitten your hand off. Going back through the games we've lost, I would have liked to think we picked up a couple more wins. Um, just from, I mean, look, the, the wins we got were brilliant um, and kind of went on a run just before the end of lockdown. I think we won four and then we uh, lost to Khan on that Tuesday night, which was brilliant. Um, but I remember the, the first four games, I think it was, <clears throat> we kind of had a... I'm not making excuses, but we had a few people unavailable, a few people injured, a few people, a couple of people went on holiday because they couldn't go on holiday. So we were um, using our squad to the best of our ability. Um, and it would have just been nice to go into some of those games at full strength. I mean, that's football. Lads had an opportunity. Some took it, some didn't. Um, and yeah, in a few of those games, I think the Radstock one sticks out for me. I think we won the lot with like six minutes to go. And we just kind of... Um, yeah, threw the game away, to be completely honest. Um, Oldland, we were one all to quite late on as well. 
Um, the Lebet game, I think they went there with 11. Um, probably a good result, all things considered. So, I mean, happy where we are, um, <clears throat> but could have been even better, I think, is the kind of feeling from us. Um, and, and we just hope that when we get back, we can just, yeah, kick on again and, and, and kind of recreate that run that we went on near the end of the um, time. Did, did you have any targets for the side going into this season? I think the, the, the target, being completely honest, was just to... Look, the last two seasons, the club's been right down the bottom, to be completely honest. It was just, let's get ourselves away from that. Um, let's get some points on the board early um, and take the pressure off. Because I remember last year, I think we got our first win at Warminster away, which was in October. So we went a long time without a win. And, and when you when you go a certain amount of time without a win, the, the whole kind of, oh, you haven't won yet, um, is over you in a way and, and sometimes get, getting your first win as it showed this season just takes pressure off um, and then you go and play a bit more freedom which we've seen this year um, so for us it was just get ourselves away from the bottom let's not be in a, a scrap to keep ourselves in the league and let's just kind of sustain ourselves um, in and around mid-table if we can break into the top half amazing if not then we, we build again and then we go again next year and and is that sort of the philosophy at the moment then that you know you know if we are going to have to press the reset button and go again in um, in August that will be the target for that uh, for for that campaign um, potentially I think we I think we made a lot of progress in the last kind of six to eight months um, and we've got a really good strong squad now which I mean it's it's one of those it's dependent who if and who comes in in the summer as well if, if anybody goes you know what. What this lockdown's done to anyone, you know, some people might go, you know, what I've had a few weeks home, I don't, I don't fancy coming back. We'll yeah. just have to wait and see. But for us, where we are now, I think we, we're only looking up if that makes sense, and, and we that's the only direction we want to be going in. We don't want to be, um, yeah, going anywhere below where we are. We just want to keep kicking on um, and trying to win as many games as we can and see where it takes us. Can you tell us a little bit about the day job then? Because obviously we we we, we are um this is the Tool Station Western League podcast, so we, you know we love to talk about our member clubs. But um but you uh, you have a you have a role at uh, Bristol Rovers. Yeah, I work for Bristol Rovers Community Trust. My official role is head of sport and recruitment. Um, that basically means that we we have a college program. Um, so as a head of sport, um, I just look after the the football program the way it runs. So I. I take our, we have uh, two boys teams and a girls team. So I manage the boys first team and kind of organise the fixtures and everything like that. And then in terms of my recruitment, I go out to schools, under 16 football clubs um, and recruit for the, the next year. And yeah, so it's quite an enjoyable job. Um, I've always loved football, always wanted to work in football and within coaching. Um, so it kind of gives me a, yeah, working with players four or five times a week um yeah really good uh experience really and yeah really enjoyable and what sort of teams does your bristol rovers college side play um so we're so we're in like an efl recognized league um so we play against other football leagues that run the college so we'll play like bristol city uh exeter cheltenham swindon bournemouth teams like that um so our league's regionalized um yeah we play all against those types of teams our girls are in like a central league so we, we play Southwest, but the girls play Central. So they'll play like West Brom, Sheffield United, um, Peterborough. So, yeah, no, so, so all kind of EFL recognised teams. And uh, is that a midweek league? Yeah, we play during the yeah Wednesday Wednesday afternoons we play, um, which is good because it allows them to 
to play on the weekend or on an evening for whoever they want to. Um, and yeah, they're just getting loads of football then between that age. And obviously, some of them will be playing with, with us during the day, playing for a floodlit team on the night and then a men's team on a Saturday and an under 18 team on a Sunday. So, football, football, football for all of them. <laughs> Although not at the moment, of course. Cause no, I, no. I, I suppose, I mean, we, you know, we're obviously acutely aware of the loss of Western League football, but I imagine that's hit your, your community work as well. Yeah, no, definitely. We don't. Um, so in terms of my stuff, no, we're not doing any training, any playing. We're just doing Zoom sessions, really. In terms of the community trust as a whole, I think they're still doing a lot, um, still visiting the elderly and the vulnerable a lot, um, doing a lot of deliveries, things like that. I was saying earlier, I'm going into a school um, twice a week to deliver PE. Um, so from a community point of view and the charity that we are, we're, we're still giving and, and doing as much as we can um, because especially at the minute, this is the time where like, um, people need need more, basically. So, yeah, and then as soon as everything opens up again, we'll be fully running and I'll be uh, back training with my, uh, my guys every morning. And I suppose from your perspective, when you know your community side's going to be back training again, will you take that as the sort of green light for when you'll be able to get the telephones um, um, up and running again? It's quite hard because we, because we're education, we can still train in the classes like PE. So it's slightly different. So like we did train the last, the October, the November to December lockdown, we trained throughout it. Because of technically, like I said, we're education, it was a it could be framed as a PE lesson. But um, yeah, it's, it's all so many. Well, I've never read so many different bits of guidance in the last year, and trying to pick it out and see what you can do, what you can't do. Um, and I'm sure we have got more of that to come. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, in the next couple of days with that. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. I, I shouldn't really be posing questions to you that, that, that should really be posed to the Prime Minister. Um, but, um, but Jack, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us on the podcast. It's lovely to hear from you and all the fantastic work that's going on at Bristol Telephones um, off the pitch. And let's just hope the next time we speak, we'll be able to talk about the football that's going on it. And my thanks to Jack for his time. Now, moving on, uh, we have James Healy's week on Twitter. And it would be fair to say, Jim, that it's, um, it's, been, it's been a bit slow this week. Yeah, it has been uh, quite a quiet week until last night when uh, we had the announcement from 10 Downing Street. A few of the clubs then were, were on social media tweeting away, saying that basically they let fans know uh, what is happening as soon as they know. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's been, been quite a quiet week. Um, this morning, there was a... Nice tweet on uh, Buckland's Twitter feed uh, where they put up a little statement from uh, Roy Holmes' family. Roy was the chairman down at Buckland and sadly passed away a year ago. Uh, so his family put out a little little statement up on Buckland's Twitter feed. So, uh, yeah, that's well worth uh, a read if you can find their feed on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Warminster have um, reached their uh, target of running to Barcelona by uh, the 28th of February. So they smashed through that, and I think they're just going to keep on going for the moment, see how far they can actually go. Um, they wanted to raise £500, but they're just shy of 1000 now, so it'd be fantastic if um, people can have a look at there and dig deep and, and get them up to £1,000 for the Warminster Food Bank. That's a worthwhile cause, that's for sure, so it'd be really nice to get them up to £1,000. And uh, one thing I've noticed as well, Exmouth have been uh, doing a lot of ground renovations down there, uh, they've been very active on Twitter with what they've been doing, and it looks great. They've got a new turnstile bit and 
re- looks really welcoming down there. So I'm looking forward to heading down there and uh, have a walk along the front and then go and watch uh, watch Exmouth and have a look at what they've been doing. But yeah, well worth having a look at their Twitter feed as well. It's, uh, some of their ground renovations look really impressive. Yeah, Exmouth could become one of the staycation locations um, in the in the post-COVID world as we all go on holiday to Devon and Cornwall. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Thanks for that, Jim. Um, obviously, we picked out there um, the uh, the tweet from Warminster, and um, we had Owen Bartley on a couple of weeks ago, uh, and this week we've got um, Roland Millworld on, and we will, of course, be touching upon that fantastic fundraising effort because it really is a great credit to Owen and the club. But, of course, uh, Roland, over the years, has been one of our go-to supporters on um, on social media. He puts up a lot of information about Warminster, and he's, he's done it to great effect, really promoting the club, not only within the town, but also further afield as well. And he does it always with a smile on his face and in very good humour. So I started off by asking him about his philosophy and on the benefits of social media. The fact for anybody, or particularly in, in the case of a football club, is to be able to put across to people what you're about as a football club. It's to promote the club, it's to increase the number of spectators, to be a conduit for the fans to know what's going on, Uh, to be able to help other football clubs, really, because part of what I like to do is share things from other clubs. When I see something that's interesting and other clubs doing whatever, they're much raising money or whatever for charity, share it, share it with your fan base. And what you find on social media, you have people who will follow your account who are not necessarily fully 100% your club's only supporters. You know, they, they support lots of clubs or they just like football. So by sharing the message out, it really just sort of create a community within the sort of, we use the term football family, you know, it's, it does get that out there. And we find that not just with people locally, but we have connections now all around the world through our social media accounts. And that's brought people sort of together really and, and gives a really good profile to your football club, or if you're a business or charity, whatever it is you're doing, you can do the same sort of thing. One of the, I suppose, one of the problems with social media is it can be a pretty toxic place. Um, and I think we've seen it get worse over the lockdown and the debates around whether or not the football season should continue it just seems to sort of exacerbate existing tensions I mean it can it, it, it sometimes I'll, I'll admit it gets me down I mean does it ever get you down there are, there are two kinds of debaters there are the ones who may have the wrong opinion or the right opinion who will just debate it civilly and there are those as soon as you say something against what they believe, even in the nicest way, will come back and call you every name under the sun (laughs) without any proof whatsoever of what they've just said. So my answer to those people is block. (laughs) They've gone. Ignore them. Move on. If you argue with an idiot, what happens? That's the problem. You know, you just have to just block them. If they're that kind of individual that uses social media to somehow boost their self-esteem by smashing everybody else into the ground then it's not the sort of person you want to connect with in any way 
Now we've talked about um, social media. Obviously, you do a podcast as well, and and I know you're you're um, very act- active on YouTube. So, I mean, I mean, in your own words, can you talk us through the range of different um, activities that you undertake to promote Warminster Town Football Club? Yeah, sure. So I've got my own Twitter account, which is WTFC Supporter. Um, the footballers have the official account, so. Jordan De Silva is the one mainly who does the official Warminster Town account. So I use that Twitter account to link in to say things like we've got a match coming up when we do on Saturday. It's going to be live on YouTube. Here's the link, that sort of thing. Uh, We have a Facebook page as well. So again, we can announce what's happening in the club and give uh, upcoming fixtures, promote matches to invite people to come along. Uh, We have the Instagram account where we can put the match photos on as well. Um, Instagram and Facebook is relatively easy because they're owned by the same company. They're one the same. You can put something on Instagram and at the same time post it to Facebook. So it's it's two for the price of one. Sometimes it cuts the work down when you do that. So I always put the photos on Instagram and then send them across to to Facebook. Um, We've got the website. Obviously, very important to have all the fixtures on there. Match reports all go into the website. Um, The podcast where we can interview players, review the matches that's just taken place and what's coming up. Um, and then on the YouTube channel, we really use that in the main for live streaming so that we're able to broadcast each of the matches live in full wherever we go. Um, it hasn't really failed much. We've only been to one place where we couldn't get a signal on the phone, <laughs> which was a friendly game. We don't, don't normally go there. So uh, we've always had success so far in being able to stream the whole matches. And to a large extent, that has been an absolutely brilliant thing to do the live streaming um we get the occasional emails from potential players who want to play for warminster having watched the matches and they come for a trial we had quite a few on trial some got into the reserves for a while um, we have fans in america spain poland across europe um, i was actually f- live streaming it was one of the ladies matches early season it was and it was an evening match very dark and a gentleman came up behind me in the second half. He said, I just want to meet the voice. Said, oh, <laughs> Tom Jones, no. <laughs> and he's from Northern Ireland. And him and his son uh, watch the matches regularly that we live stream on YouTube. And because they come over to England for something, job or whatever it was, saw that this match was on, turned up, came to say hello to me. And then he wanted to make a donation to the club because of what we do. And there, so from Northern Ireland to Warminster, we've got a, got a couple of fans just through the power of YouTube. So that is just one example. We've had other people who have been travelling down from Newcastle down to Cornwall said, if we stop off at the club, can we buy a shirt? We have fans who occasionally come from Kent, uh, two or three times a year make the trip from Kent to come and watch the games now. And then we have a couple in Solihull who have been as well and dropped in, they watch it they've decided they're going to leave Solihull and buy a house in Warminster. (laughs) (laughs) This is the power of social media, you know, it's it's, it's great. But, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, did it, Roland? I mean, there'll be some some sort of club administrators sat at home listening to this thinking, blimey, you know, we haven't got a hope of of putting that sort of, um, you know, weaponry together on social media. But, yeah, you must have have grown it. How did you start? Well, I started... um... Primarily, I wasn't a Warminster Town supporter at all, originally. I was, I was raised in Derbyshire, used to go with my granddad to watch Chesterfield Football Club. Moved down with my dad's work as a teenager, and then I started work not too long after that, a couple of years after that. 
but I've always had jobs where I work Saturdays and football and Saturdays mm. don't go hand in hand if you're working. So I would get to the occasional game at Chesterfield, but that was, you know, three and a half hour drive to four hours and watch a match come all the way back or pay for a hotel in, in later life and, and do that sort of thing. But my nephew started going along to Warminster. He's come along, Uncle Roland, and, you know, watch Warminster. So when I had a, a bit of free time on a Saturday, I would just go and watch Warminster. But that was, again, very randomised to start with. Then circumstances changed so I could go regularly. And I, I noticed there wasn't really any activity on social media going on. The website was dead, actually. It actually said, uh, this site is in breach of Versace's rules, something like that. It had been <laughs> hacked, I think. <laughs> so I thought, hmm, that's not too good. So after a while, I just set up the Twitter account, started tweeting a few things out, did the odd little bit of live on Twitter when that came in and Periscope. I set up a blog, bought a domain name, and then I think that sparked somebody off at the club then to get the website back up and running. So they managed to clear the rubbishy things that had gone on with this Versace thing and whoever got the domain name back and got the website set up. Um, and then that sort of came to a bit of a grinding halt and the chapper couldn't carry on anymore. So I took over the website, dropped my blog bit and started doing the website. So it has been gradual. Then we, we tried YouTube, you know, for the live. Um, you're supposed to have a thousand followers to go live on a mobile phone. Uh, there is a way around it. If somebody wants to know that, I won't announce it here, but there's a little way you can. <laughs> there are ways and means like a lot of things. It's, it's all legal. But at the moment, so we are on YouTube. If, if YouTube changes that, we'd have to be back on Twitter. But the video quality is far better on YouTube. So it's, it's gone over a few years, really. And it just grows and grows. And, and what you find is with social media, you don't have to worry about too much how many followers you've got. It's what activity you have. Lots of, we will have YouTube. I think YouTube stands about 460 followers, something like that at the moment, or subscribers. But we'll have seven or 800 people watch a match. So they don't always subscribe, you know. So I don't get too hung up on, on numbers. What it is, is the, the interaction with people. How many are actually seeing it? Who interacts with you? What effect is it having? Is it bringing people through the gate? Are we getting bigger crowds at Warminster? Yes, we are. We've doubled it pretty much since we started. More and more people are getting involved. They love it. They like to be able to see what's going on. And even if they only come once or twice a year, it's once or twice a year more than you'd have somebody if they didn't. So. And, and how did it work with the actual club then? I mean, did you mentioned obviously the website. Were you approached by the club? You know, did they sort of recognise what you were doing, or yes, did you have did. an existing? Yeah, they started, oh, you're Roland. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So they said, would you, would you take over the, the website? Would you do that? Would I, and would I write the match reports? Because that was a bit hit and miss. I've never done match report writing before. So that's a bit of a learning curve. You have mm -hmm. to try and do it in a certain way. So you're not going to give every kick of the ball or, or not enough. So we've done that. That goes into the Warminster Journal as well as onto the website. We've got a new secretary now, Dave Parry. Um, we got some ideas to move things forward for the future as well. So I think all got a bit, you know, sideswiped yeah. in this last few months, really, with what we would like to have done, what we wanted to achieve. But I think coming coming seasons, you know, the more we can progress this, then, of course, we can uh, do all kinds of things, not just with social media, but with the website, with the crowds coming through the gate. There's a lot more that can actually be done at the club, you know, even a club shop or kinds of things which we haven't got at the moment so um we've just been held up a little bit really on what 
what we can do for going forwards. But it all really does stem through from anybody is do get yourself a social media account, you know, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on Instagram. That's the sort of minimum, really. I know there's all other things come out. You're going to get your TikTok and but you have to draw the line somewhere. Where's your mm. main fan base like to be? A lot of people are on Facebook. So a Facebook page is pretty good for your fixtures and so forth. A website, if you can get one, get a website, get the main name for your club, get that on there, get your fixtures on. People can find you from anywhere then quite easily. Also with regard, I think Twitter, particularly in the Western League, you know, we're quite good at Twitter. The clubs are quite good at least having a Twitter account. Um, perhaps some could use it more, but at least they've got one, you know. Uh, make sure you get a Twitter account. Make sure it's up to date so the profile, the bio, all that kind of stuff is up to date. You do find with some football clubs, and, and Warmish had this problem in the past as well, people set things up with the best intentions and then disappear, and nobody knows the password and can't remember who did it. <laughs> so you'll find you quite often search for a club on Twitter, and there's four accounts. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to think, which is the real one? <laughs> So you have to go through them to see which one's actually being used. Uh, and that's because no one's had a policy of saying, actually, you know, we know who's doing it. We've got somebody else who's also got access to it in case they disappear or the red bus syndrome. I always think of that, you know, if someone drops dead tomorrow, yeah. who knows where everything is? You should have a, a policy somewhere that you've got that stored with the secretary or someone. You can access those accounts. This is just good housekeeping and just good you know management really of it and of course like I try to do is always be positive with the social media don't use it to have a go at another club or the referee or <laughs> whoever you fancy or that player who should have been red carded and wasn't you know that's not the forum for it it's about saying this is what's this, this is the fixtures coming up this is the match that's taken place this is the match report you know Thank you for this person, that person. Use it, use it in a wise way and use it as a way really of encouraging and building people up as opposed to trying to tear people down, even in a sort of humorous way, you know, avoid it. Just be factual. Just be, you know, hashtag be kind, I think is kind yeah. of sums it up, really. I mean, where do you get your ideas from then? Because obviously there's a huge, you know, you, you, there's, a, there's a large body of work that you've done. And, uh, but, you know, are there, are there places, you know, when you see sort of other clubs doing things, do you think actually that's a good, that's a good idea we could do that? I mean, how, how do you sort of, what's your idea generation like? It's, it's a mixture of things. Um, yeah, if you see somebody doing something and it's good, you know, just copy it, you know, um, you, utilise that idea. Sometimes you just get a brainwave. It can sometimes be lateral thinking. You see somebody doing something in an entirely different field and you think, actually, that could be applied to football. Just recently, obviously, we, we got kiboshed on Boxing Day, but the few matches before that, including Boxing Day, decided to start doing a sort of a match review live on Twitter after the match and trying to do it. We're over at Khan and we got uh, George over there to come on with Dave Parry and, and do a match analysis from both sides live on Twitter, which of course can be listened to at any time afterwards as well. So that was an idea I just came up with thinking, well, rather than just wait and start putting messages out, here's the match report the next day to read, let's have a, a live one there and then, and then the, the printed one could go out later. So that just came to me one day and you just think, right, we're going to have a go at that. And we'll do it. And it was successful. You probably get 
the first two or three of two or three hundred people listen to each one. So that's fantastic. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely great. Uh, and we have to make a special mention for Jamie House as well, who I know is a, a regular contributor um, to what you do. I mean, I know how important Tom Hiscott and, and James Healy are for, for supporting you know, what I'm doing. So I imagine that Jamie's a really important part of what you're doing. Yeah, he helps out on the podcast. That's been the, the mainstay. Um, lost his help a little bit recently because he bought a camera and a zoom lens. And <laughs> <laughs> I would I would sort of rely on him because I'm doing the sort of live commentary and you, it's nice to have like when you've helped me on the on the commentary it's nice to have another pair of eyes sometimes because occasionally you might look at the screen to watch something going on and it's, and it's kind of small and you miss something who did what you know and also of course because I write the match report I would get him just to put onto a little dictation machine I say 13th minute right there you know goal scored who it was so I don't have to plow through the video if I can't remember um age co doesn't come alone so you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think who scored that first goal <laughs> your mind goes a bit blank occasionally so he was handy for that um but because um he's got his camera now I'm you know maybe I have to enlist someone else to help on that little front coming up while he's busy going around the ground taking his photos but say so that's that again sadly has all come to a, a grinding halt currently but we'll get back to that hopefully in not too distant future well well let's talk about the football now because actually your season was going rather well wasn't it um uh, last campaign i mean what were your expectations heading into last season you know i thought particularly when we, we we kicked off the season with three wins on the trot it was and the team looked strong well organized um i could certainly see us finishing you know in the sort of top four or five without you know too much of a problem hopefully um, we had one or two little blips along the way like you do but overall um we proved very strong even though we lost at Khan, that was a, a little bit of a blip day from the goalkeeper on that one a draw would have been a fair fair result there and you just think we've played some really good teams and really played well against them even if we've lost which meant that you know when you play other teams Theoretically, you take that form against other teams, you would have won. Um, so I certainly, and of course, we had the great FA Vars. You know, we did well in that previous season. And uh, that kind of rolled over, really, into this one. So sadly, we've not been able to really get going properly, have mm. you? Because it's stop and start, you know. And um, But I think if we'd have had a whole season, we would have done, would have done well. We'd been up there challenging in the top, top few places. Um, and as we know, with the Western League, somebody can be top for six weeks and then they can be six or seventh before you know, know where they are. It's, it's very, very open like that. So, But I, I would have thought with the players that we've got and the way they're performing and you see them growing into the game, then, you know, it does. It really does work. And that's been one advantage as well, I think, with YouTube, because they all love to watch it afterwards and they analyse themselves. A lot of the players... <laughs> we'll we'll play it over and over again, particularly if they scored. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes their mothers will come out and say, "All I heard all night was your voice." <laughs> <laughs> Replaying that goal over and over again. <laughs> but if that helps again on the on the pitch, it's good, you know. So, because um... I mean, you you've been getting things right, I think, on the pitch, but clearly the club. I mean, the club's had a fantastic reputation in the Western League for a long time. Uh, but the supporter base that you've, you know, that you, you alluded to it earlier, really, I mean, it does feel to me like everything is set up 
for the team to be competing in the Premier Division, let alone the the, the first division. I mean, do you, do you do you sense that sort of ambition around the club? I think that's coming now. Yeah, definitely. We are attendance-wise up amongst the, the right sort of numbers and growing. Um, we have had attendances, you know, well up on some occasions. And when we've played um, premiership sides, we've, we've never been blown away by them. You know, we've played them in cup matches and beaten a couple. And you just think there's not a huge difference on, on any day with, I think, with Warminster and some of these premier, we could hold our own. It wouldn't necessarily win the league, but you could be in that in that league and hold your own. I think we've got plans if we can, you know, with grants to improve some more facilities at the club in, in future as well. All, all is looking good, really. You know, we'll have to see how it how it all goes. But I'm pretty convinced that over the next coming season or two, then Warminster can start to be moving on upwards. Certainly in facilities, if not, we don't make it in, in league performance, you know, positions, but we certainly can as a ground and as a club. Um, well, just moving back to the sort of social media world, um, uh, I know you've been very active in the last few weeks promoting the club's fundraising efforts um, for the for the Warminster Food Bank. I mean, thanks to you, we were able to speak to Owen Bartley um, on the podcast, and um, I mean, I, I, you know, we've we've really kept an eye on how well that that campaign you know, the run from Weymouth Street to the new camp and, you know, designed to, to raise money for your local food bank. That's been an enormous success, hasn't it? It has, yeah. The, t- the boys and girls, because the lady, some of the ladies' team have been involved in this as well, been, been running hard and long. Uh, they've actually done over the 1,000 miles now, so we're, we're past the new camp now, so I'll have to put the brakes on before we end up in the ocean. <laughs> but they've done very well on that front. We set out a target of £500, I had a feeling we might get to a thousand, and in fact, as it stands at the moment, we're nine hundred and one, with the rest of this week to go. So, finish on the twenty eighth of February. So, I'm pretty convinced we will get to one thousand pounds and double the target, which is great because the Warminster Food Bank, you know, to them they have to top up. They get food donations from you know supermarket people leave some shopping behind and they collect it that sort of thing. But in addition to that, they're spending sort of £400 a month extra yeah. to top up the food because demand has gone up enormously this, this year because of the COVID and people being out of work and what have you. So if we can get £1,000 and give them sort of another couple of months or so extra money, maybe they can spend extra or they can just keep going for longer. Um, it's a great organisation. It's entirely volunteers, which I like about charities that are all volunteers. There's no tiers of, you know, officers and managers and goodness knows what else before your donation gets spent. Every pound given is a pound that will be spent by them. So um, we've, it's done, we've done well. And Owen, you know, put the effort in, got everybody behind him, all the players behind him. So that's the reserves, the ladies and the first team. A lot of them have been out there running in, in pretty miserable weather yeah. as well. I know Owen came in the other day absolutely drenched. <laughs> <laughs> because he'd been out in the rain, you know, with his poor ankles and knees going and everything else. But it's it's all help, all for a good cause, as well as staying. I use the term staying fit, but if you're, if you're finishing up like that, I'm not quite so sure. But he, he's <laughs> running to me is not necessarily keeping fit. But uh, obviously, footballers have to have to keep fit. So it's been a great thing. So and the social media has played its role through the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram. People have cottoned on to it, seen what's going on, and have kindly made a donation. 
Well, I mean, let's give it a, a quick plug for your social media um, uh, accounts because um, I, I really, I think it's really important for you to hit that that target. Um, now, obviously, we know the, the podcast will be up this week. Um, people listening to it, um, you know, at the weekend, we 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 need to get these donations in by the feb- by February the twenty eighth. So, for anybody listening to this, because it would be great to get you over that, absolutely brilliant. How can we donate to this fantastic cause? Right. Well, there is a GoFundMe page, but the easiest way to get to it is to go to our website, warminstertownfc.com. So warminstertownfc.com. And you'll quite clearly see the link in the top right hand corner for what we're doing with an update. Just click on the GoFundMe link and then you'll be taken straight to the page. It'll say what it's all about, organized by Owen Bartley. Click on their donation button, donate whatever you can, and uh, that all will automatically go to the warmest of food bank so that's the easiest way to to find it because you, you'll see stuff if you follow wtfc supporter on twitter as well but i'm trying not to put every tweet out as a as a charity request obviously yeah. but the, the website is the link to actually find it you'll also find the link on our instagram and facebook pages as well roland thank you very much for your time it's lovely to 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 catch up and and you know to talk a bit of bit of football at a time when we haven't had any of course the last time i Got, had the pleasure of your company in person your side were were rather unceremoniously destroying mine um but um i hope that the next time i see you it will be at nursestead road where we can return the favor <laughs> you, you've already done that once not too long ago I, we absolutely got uh, hammered by devices i think that was five nil it was a really bad day at the office <laughs> yeah i think you're still up on aggregate though aren't you could well be up on aggregate <laughs> yeah <laughs> and my thanks to Roland for his time. Now, Jim, um, you mentioned before in your week on Twitter, of course, that um, that we that the that we were rather busy last night. I'm coming to terms with the Prime Minister's latest announcement of how we're going to come out of lockdown, and of course, the little Easter egg he threw in that uh, that uh, football would be allowed again on March the 29th. At this stage, um, we have absolutely no idea what that means, but I can assure you, listeners, that um, when we do get some clarification from first the Football Association, we will then bring you one of our regular interviews with a member of the board of the Tool Station Western League, so we can try and understand what it means in the context of our football. All I would say is that I think if recent weeks have proven anything, the debate around the future of this season has the potential to be somewhat divisive, uh, with feelings quite high on both sides of the debate. So whether we go back to playing league football, which I have to say is unlikely, or whether we're playing cup games or even friendly matches, I think we must remember that the most important people in our league are the volunteers who make the, the matches possible every single week at all of our at all of our clubs and um, with them in mind we must appreciate and respect the decisions that each individual member club makes uh, around how how they choose to come out of their own individual lockdown i know we're all desperate to get back playing again and we're desperate desperate to, to see to see old friends but um, i think now is a time we come out of lockdown um, hopefully for the last time we come out as one family and um, and not a warring one. Uh, and, and on the subject of warring families, uh, to finish on a lighter note, 
I couldn't help but notice watching the the, fo- the news that broke in the fair footballing city of Bristol this week. Now, of course, Jim, you used to be a member of the press team at Bristol City, and um, and they have uh, they have announced that they've appointed Nigel Pearson in the same week that Bristol Rovers have appointed Joey Barton. So, from a from a sort of a former media man's um, um, perspective, I mean, what did you make of those announcements this week? I think it was the first time that a manager from both clubs had been announced on the same day. So both Bristol clubs announcing a manager on the same day. I mean, it's quite unheard of, I think, that two clubs in one city announcing a manager. And then I think someone interviewed Joey Barton and asked asked him about Nigel Pearson. And he said, well, maybe we can move in together. Maybe they can <laughs> flat share, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, but you can imagine them two, I think, both look quite hard, to be fair. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of Nigel Pearson, would you? I mean, He's a big bloke, and again on Twitter, someone put up uh, an interview where one of the journalists asked him a question, and he called him an ostrich because he said, "Are you an ostrich? You're burying your head in the sand." And he just kept firing back at the journo. So it'll be interesting to see how the relationships build with the local journalists and the radio presenters, with both of them really, because they're both both characters, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't see Jeff Twentyman taking that, can you? I don't think Jeff Twentyman's no ostrich. No, no, that's true. No, so he, he does ask some questions as a to Sir Jeff, as I call him. So yeah, it'll be be quite interesting to see see where they go. I think they're both good appointments for both clubs. So uh, fingers crossed uh, they could both turn their seasons around and climb the tables a bit more. I mean, of course, I think what the one thing it does highlight is the potential for some ra- rather combustive press conferences. Now, I mean, having sat on the other side of the fence um, in that regard, can you remember some particularly combustible press conferences in your time? Well, yeah, we've had a few, yeah. But when I was down at Yeovil, we used to just have those myself representing the club, the manager, and probably one from Radio Bristol and one from the local paper. So there's like three of us there. So if if the lad from the local paper asked a dodgy question and the manager turned it back on them, it was awkward. You'd like you're kind of there thinking, "Oh, just swallow me, ground, just swallow me up." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to intervene, and then the, the the journalist then fights back as well, and then it gets all touchy. But none of that gets aired, you see, because you just crop it out, and they they don't ever publish it, so it all looks quite rosy. But sometimes there are some, yeah, there's been some times where there's been swearing in there and. <laughs> I know, same one actually. We uh, when Paul Sturrock was down at the Oval, uh, I wasn't actually there filming it, but my colleague filmed it and left the camera rolling. And at the end of it, he asked Paul Sturrock. He said, "Well, if such and such and another player is out, what will you do?" And Paul Sturrock replied, "Go well, we're and he swore basically. Well, I didn't know that that happened. Got sent the clip. Email back saying." Have you edited it? Is it all right to upload as it is? Which the reply was yes. So I just uploaded it without watching the full 15 minutes with that bit in it, with the swearing at the end. And people then clipped it and it's still used now as, as a gif and all sorts and a little short video clip of Paul Sturrock swearing. Oh, yeah, that wasn't one of my finer moments, that's for sure. <laughs> Thankfully, he wasn't. He, he didn't really mind Paul Sturrock. He was, he was great to work with as well. Blimey, there you go, listeners. There is an insight into the media world of professional football. Jim, thank you ever so much um, for your assistance again. And uh, as I said earlier, hopefully we'll find out a little bit more on next week's Toolstation Western League podcast.